Good morning. It's good to be back with you. I've been here before. My name is Mike, and I'm the Dean of Students at Reformed Theological Seminary up in Orlando. And it's neat that I get to preach right after you pray. Our paths have crossed before at a different PCA church that she was involved in that I've been at before. Uh, and I just wanted to take a moment and tell you that I've been here now, I guess, three times, and there is something really special about New City Church. I go to a lot of churches, and I see it particularly in the way that you mix and mingle with each other, the way that you uh, speak and share with each other, the relationships that I that I just sense here are really, really good. So you're doing great. I know this is a challenging time in the life of New City Church, but you're doing good stuff. So don't let up. Don't be discouraged. Uh, I'm someone who's not part of this church, and I sense the Spirit of the Lord here. So way to go. Good job. Thank you, Lord, for what He's doing here at New City Church. Um, yeah, so it is kind of a different day, as McCartney said, with the PA system and the AC and something like that. But just think that we could easily be worshiping for fear of our lives in a house church over in China. We could be in the African bush uh, baking in the sun in the outdoors right now, but we're not. We're here, and God has been so good to us to bless us this way. We're privileged people. So uh, before we look at God's Word, let's pray, and I'll pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to be together. I thank you for this church and for the joy of being back with them again. Lord, we pray that you will open our eyes and our hearts to behold wondrous things out of your word. God, Spirit of God, we pray that you will come and teach us more about Jesus and what it looks like to live a life dedicated to Jesus. I pray that this church will continue to serve you, to trust you, to follow your leading. I pray for the leaders of this church that you'll give them great wisdom. We pray for the relationships to continue to flourish. We pray for a, uh, a godly desire and skill at reaching out to people who have yet to know the good news of the freedom about which we've been seeking today. Help this church, Lord, we pray, to be um, filled with your spirit, filled with joy, filled with the gospel. Now, we open your word. Speak to us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name. Well, if you have a Bible, please open it up to Romans chapter 12. We're going to look together at verses 9 through 21. Romans 12, 9 through 21. Romans chapter 12, beginning verse 9. Listen, this is God's Word. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. And seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. 
Rejoice, there it is again. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is God's Word. I want to talk with you this morning about the discipline of celebrating. Now before we go further, let's remind ourselves, what is a discipline? We all know what discipline is from one perspective or another. But discipline, a discipline, is a practice or a habit that with God's help, we build into our lives so that we can grow stronger spiritually. It's a practice or a habit that we build into our lives with God's help that will help us to grow more like Jesus, to become more holy, to grow in our, to use a fancy word, sanctification. Sanctification is God's work, but it's also our work, right? And we work on our holiness, we become more sanctified, partly through the spiritual disciplines. Now, when you hear spiritual discipline, you're probably thinking of prayer, Bible reading, solitude, silence, worship, fellowship. All of those are spiritual disciplines that we do to become more like Jesus Christ. But I'm going to talk today about the discipline of celebrating. Two weeks ago, if you were here, we talked about, we learned about the discipline of remembering. If you weren't here that day, you go back, go to the website, listen to the sermon there. But today it's the discipline of celebrating. Now some of you probably want to push back on me a bit when I say that celebrating is a discipline, a spiritual discipline. Uh, you may have never considered that. You might even be saying to yourself, wait a second, Mike, Americans celebrate all the time. We don't need more celebration, we need less celebration. <laughs> Well, true, Americans say that they like to have a good time. People have parties, they go out drinking and dancing, they blow off steam and lose their inhibitions. That is not celebrating. Here's what celebration is according to the Bible. It's the act of rejoicing in the goodness of God and sharing His abundant blessings with other people. Say it again. Celebration, according to the Bible, is rejoicing in the goodness of God and sharing His abundant blessings with other people. And when we define celebration that way, we see it in this text all over the place. Verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Verse 12, rejoice in hope. Glad Belinda shared Philippians 4 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Well, this is the same thing. Rejoice in hope. Verse 13, show hospitality. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. 
Verse 20, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Food is a big part of celebration. Verse 21, overcome evil with good. You see, it is the act of rejoicing in the goodness of God and sharing His abundant blessings with other people. And this is a discipline. Celebration, according to the Bible, is where you delight in other people and you do good to them. You feast and you party in honor of others to lift them up and to show them how much you enjoy them. If I could summarize, celebration according to the Bible is love in action. It's love in action. And it's a discipline. A habit that must be practiced and cultivated for the glory of God, the blessing of other people, and the good of your own soul. Here's where we're going to go today. I've got a three-point outline, very, very easy to remember. Here they are. You need to celebrate. God wants us to celebrate. And of all people, Christians should celebrate. Easy to remember, right? You need to celebrate. God wants us to celebrate. And of all people, we who know Jesus should celebrate. So let's begin with that first thing. You and I need to celebrate. You know, if you ask the average person how they're doing, what are you going to hear? I think the most common thing I hear is, I'm busy. I'm busy. Uh, Or I'm fine. You know, we sort of dutifully say, fine, how are you? That's just kind of our social custom. I'm okay. I'm trying to hold things together, somebody might say. I'm stressed, if they're honest, they might say that. The kids are driving me crazy, some mom or dad may say. But... What you really detect is when you look around you yourself at Target, for example, or at the grocery store, or at school, or at work, hardly anybody's smiling. Hardly anybody has anything really cheerful to say. Seven million people in the U.S. have generalized anxiety disorders called GAD. They worry excessively about everyday problems. One in ten adults in the U.S. have a panic attack every year. Nearly 9% of adults in the U.S. say that they are depressed. That's about 30 million people. Depression among adolescents increased from 8% in 2009 to 16% in 2019. The use of antidepressants has nearly tripled in the last 10 years. Some of you may know the Heidelberg Catechism. There's a question and answer in there that just says that we live in a sad world. And that is very true. Ours is a sad world. I was talking with a man the other day who told me that he grew up in a home filled with constant tension. His mom was an alcoholic and his father's way of dealing with it was to just check out. He would just leave the house whenever his wife started drinking and getting violent. So my friend just learned at an early age in his life how to live on his own with very little affection, very little joy. He was never celebrated, never delighted in. And every day now he struggles with a sense of hopelessness. 
Perhaps that's not exactly your story, but perhaps even today you're carrying a sadness about you. There's something in your life that is a burden too heavy for a human being to bear. A concern about your own life or your a family member or the future or some other challenge that you're going through. This church could be going through a time of sadness, and it is a time of loss. Let's be honest. We grieve when things like this happen, right? Um, but perhaps you feel at school or at work or just in your neighborhood or in your everyday life, perhaps you feel this constant pressure to perform, you know, to excel, to compete with other people, to be the best, to be the prettiest, to be the smartest, to be the most successful. And it never seems to arrive. You're always striving. It's just a little bit out of reach. You never quite get there. So in order to cope, you can't stop. You know, you can't celebrate. Who's got time to celebrate? I, I can't rest. I can't play. I can't feast and just enjoy other people. No, I've become addicted to shopping or working out or social media or video games or watching TV in order to find some measure of joy. You know, that's the daily experience of a ton of people. And perhaps you struggle to some degree with some of those things. This is a sad and cruel world. Friends, the world, the flesh, and the devil conspire each and every day to wear you down and stress you out. That's reality. That's what's going on around us all the time. That's why I say you and I need to celebrate and to be celebrated. This need is built into us by creation. It's part of our DNA. Let's go back in our minds to creation. You remember God placed Adam in a what? A garden. A garden filled with all kinds of trees, it says in Genesis 2. And these things were pleasing to the eye and good for food. God gave Adam dominion over nature and he commanded him to be fruitful and multiply. God looked at his creation after he created human beings and said what? It's very good. God was delighted at what his hands had made. And when God created Eve, it was almost like God walked her down the aisle to Adam. You know, and they were celebrated in marriage. But then something happened often. Adam and Eve sinned against God. They brought shame and sadness into the world and spoiled the beauty of nature and the happiness of mankind. A curse fell upon all of creation. Adam and Eve were banished from the garden. Work became work <laughs> instead of joy, a burden. Marriage became a tug of war between adversaries rather than friends. And misery and death were now part of mankind's everyday life. But this longing to be celebrated and to celebrate didn't disappear. It is still in the human heart. It's a longing for joy and beauty and music and art and community and relaxation and pleasure. These things are part of our human nature. There's a longing to experience Romans 12, we might say. 
That's why it's important for God's people to celebrate. We need to celebrate. The second thing, God wants you to celebrate. You don't just need it. God wants you to celebrate. These things in Romans 12 are not options for Christians. You'll notice they are all imperatives. They are commands. Love one another, verse 10. Outdo each other in showing honor. Rejoice in hope. Do you realize that is an imperative? You and I are called to rejoice. Contribute to the needs of the saints, it says in verse 13. Rejoice with those who rejoice, verse 15. All imperatives. God wants you to suffer. Let's do a brief survey of the Bible. Think about the Old Testament people of God. How did they celebrate? Oh, man. They were experts at celebrating. Three times a year, they, the Israelites, were to take a vacation and travel to Jerusalem for a celebratory festival. The Feast of Unleavened Bread in March or April. The Feast of Weeks in May or June. Later became known as Pentecost. And the Feast of Tabernacles in September and October. These were times for God's people to let loose. To take a break. To kick back as a nation. To eat together. To celebrate their past and have a good time. Can you imagine all of America, all of God's people commanded three times a year to go together to a place and just purely enjoy each other. Later in Israel's history, the Feast of Purim was instituted. Have you read the book of Esther lately? It's all there in the book of Esther. It was in February or March. It was a day of joy and feasting and giving of presents to remind the Israelites of their deliverance from the evil Haman during the days of Persian rule. If you haven't read Esther recently, read it again. It is just a fun and great story. During the Maccabean period, what is that? That was that period of time between the Old and New Testaments. The Jews started celebrating something you've heard of. Hanukkah, right? Hanukkah, otherwise known as the Feast of Dedication or the Festival of Lights, which commemorated the purification of the temple. You may not know that, but that's what it means. Jewish people observe what else? Passover, the Day of Atonement, Sabbath days, sacred assemblies and convocations, monthly new moon festivals, the Feast of Trumpets, and the Feast of First Fruits. And this will blow your mind if you've not heard about this. Every 50 years, it was called the Year of Jubilee, a ram's horn would be blown on the Day of Atonement. And liberty was proclaimed throughout the land. Debts were canceled. Can you imagine? A year of jubilee here. No more mortgage payment. It's all been canceled. Student loans. Oh, well, that's a whole other subject. Um, slaves were set free during the year of jubilee. Land was restored to its original owner. That may be good news or bad, depending on your situation. And then also, as we continue this survey, think about some of the critical events in Israel's history when there was great celebration. Exodus 15 tells us about the Exodus. The parting of the Red Sea, the people walk across, the Egyptian armies get drowned, and on the other side of that river, the Dead Sea rather, there was this huge party, and Miriam 
the sister of Moses, led the women in dancing and song. Or you might think of 2 Samuel 6, when David brings the Ark of the Covenant into the city of Jerusalem, and he dances before the Lord with all his might. Or you might think of Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter 8, the governor named Nehemiah, he gives a speech, and he says to all the people, don't mourn, don't weep, go enjoy good food, go to Publix and empty the place, enjoy sweet drinks, he said, and Give some to those who don't have any. This day is sacred to the Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Did you wonder where that comes from? It's in Nehemiah chapter. As we continue this march through the Bible, come over to the New Testament. And what do we see Jesus do? Well, his first miracle took place at a wedding party. And I think it has something to do with wine. Jesus went out to eat with people all the time. So much so that he became known as a drunkard and a glutton. Isn't that amazing? And of course, the book of Revelation, the end of the Bible, describes a party that is going on in heaven even as we sit here in this rather hot auditorium. And an even greater celebration that is yet to come that you and I will enjoy one of these days. What does all this mean? It all, it all means that God wants His people to rejoice and be glad. He knows that you're boxed in and beat down and fed up and worn out. He knows that you're sad. He knows that you feel lost. That's normal. Of course we do. He knows that we live in a messed up, broken-hearted world. And in the midst of the heartache, He wants His church to be the happiest place on earth. Which brings me to the last thing I want to say. Then we'll get out of here. Of all people, of all people, not only do we need to celebrate, not only does God want us to, but of all people, God's people should celebrate. St. Augustine said that the Christian should be a hallelujah from head to foot. Does that describe you? Are you a hallelujah from, from head to foot because of all the things that God has done for you? The Greek word for celebrate is in the New Testament nine times. Eight of those nine times are in one story. Luke chapter 15 tells us about the prodigal son. I bet most of you know that story very well. The youngest son takes his share of the inheritance, wastes it. He finds himself in a pigsty. He thinks, maybe if I go back home, my father will let me be one of his hired hands. So he meekly and in a humiliating way makes his way back home and there comes his father running with his tunic, his robe hiked up to his knees running out to grab him and embrace him and the father says quick, bring the best robe and put it on him put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet bring the fattened calf and kill it let's have a feast and celebrate. 
for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The good news of Jesus is that you are accepted and delighted in by God. Not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done for you on the cross. And simply by receiving Him into your life through faith, that is trusting in Jesus alone for your hope to please God, you will be a part of that celebration that's going on when every one who comes to Jesus comes to Jesus. The angels of God rejoice because He has loved you with an everlasting love. Jesus, you know, perfectly lived out Romans 12, this text that I read. Every line describes Jesus. Uh, his love was genuine. He honored you above himself when he died on the cross. He blessed those who persecuted him. He wept with those who weep and still does. He associated with the lowly. He repaid no one evil for evil. He never avenged himself. When his enemies were hungry, what did he do? He fed them. He was never overcome by evil, but he overcome evil with good. See, that text is all about Jesus. And as we seek to obey these imperatives, we are seeking simply to do what Jesus did and to become more like Him who did these things for us. Jesus, it says in Romans 12, for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is sat down now at the right hand of God. So I ask you this one. I ask you these two very important questions. Number one, have you received Jesus in your life? That is to say, have you ever really gone to God, honestly, to admit that you're a sinner and that you have offended Him and broken His laws and that you need His forgiveness? Have you ever done it? If not, do it today. Do it today that you might be a part of this celebrating family that Romans 12 describes. Jesus lived the life that you were supposed to live. He died the death that you deserved to die. Believe the good news. Become part of this family. Second question. If you are a child of God through faith in Jesus, and you've been set free, as we sang about a little while ago, are you celebrating? Because guess what? You are being celebrated every day by God. Zephaniah 3.17 says, God takes great delight in you. He quiets you with His love and He rejoices over you with joy. So you and I should also just kick back. Even in the midst of sadness. Even in the midst of depression. And some of us struggle with that. That's a reality. We can celebrate. I want to leave you with some takeaways, some practical ways that New City Church can celebrate. I've got four suggestions. Number one, celebrate in this place on Sunday morning. And I feel that I'm speaking to the choir because you've already been. I felt that we were celebrating, despite the sound problems and the heat and all of that. But I do want to encourage you to do, keep doing that. Celebrate in this place on Sunday morning. Worship the Lord with gladness. You know, come on. If we can celebrate that Tom Cruise and the new Impossible Mission Impossible movie is finally out in the theaters, 
if we can celebrate that the National League finally beat the American League in the All-Star game, <laughs> if we can celebrate that, for goodness sakes, we can celebrate the love of God on Sunday morning when we gather for church. Come, it says in Psalm 95, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. That's number one. Number two, practice hospitality. Make that a habit. Practice hospitality. What is hospitality? It means entertaining people, throwing a party for someone, rolling out the red carpet for somebody, inviting somebody over for dessert. After the worship service, here's a practical thing you can do. Ask somebody to go with you out to lunch. Or invite somebody to your house later in the week. You say, oh, I'm an introvert. I am not that way. Look, you are looking at major introversion. I am a classic introvert. I regain my energy by being alone. I love being alone. These things wear me out. Being with people. Um, we've got to push through the fear. And practice hospitality. It's in the Bible. <laughs> it's not my word, it's God's word. It says to practice hospitality. You say, but I don't know anybody. Hospitality is how you get to know somebody. That's number two. Number three, here's something really practical. Everybody can do. Be generous with compliments. Tell people what you like that you see in them. Tell people what you appreciate about them. Put simply, thank them. Thank them. Thank them for what they do and who they are. A little lesson in leadership that I gained years ago. Before I went off to seminary, I used to work in a print shop. And my boss, every single day, I think without fail, we punched our time cards and started getting out the door to go home at 5 o'clock, he would say thank you. He would look at each of his employees and say thank you, thank you, thank you. What a powerful way to treat people with goodness. Send a thank you note this week, will you? Think of somebody who's done something or who simply is something that you appreciate. Send them a thank you. That's number three. Number four. This is the last one. And here I, I just say to you as a church body, this is something that you can keep doing. Maybe you do it already. It's so important at this transition time in your life to begin building some habits that will carry you into the future. Here's the habit that I want to ask you to work on. Think of some ways that you can mark rites of passage or special events or accomplishments in other people's lives. Here's a question that occurred to me one time when in my church we were thanking somebody because they were moving away. They were leaving. And so we brought them up on the platform and thanked them for all they had done. Why do we wait till someone moves away or worse yet, when someone dies to have a celebration of their life. Why do we wait till someone moves to another city 
to thank them for what they mean to us. It doesn't make sense. Let's do it more often. Come on, celebrate the anniversaries and birthdays of people in your church or your Bible study or your small group. Honor someone's achievements at work or at school. What if you announced on Sunday morning that somebody in your church got a promotion at work or a college kid graduated magna cum laude or a child made the soccer team? What if that became the habit of New City Church? Just little things for kids, adults as well. Wouldn't that make a difference to people? Wouldn't it send a message that our God is a joyful God who celebrates His people? Someone has said that joy is a winsome magnet that draws people in because it is one thing they do not have. Joy. You want to make a difference in Brevard County? I noticed on your uh, banner, your vision as a church is to is a city made new by the gospel. Right? That's your vision. A city made new by the gospel. You want to make Melbourne, Palm Bay new by the gospel? Then make New City Church the happiest place on earth. Don't let Disney have that tagline. That should be the tagline of every Christian church. You're being the happiest place on earth. So as you practice this discipline, and it is a discipline, it's a habit, it's a practice that you must try to implement. You'll be reflecting to the world around you that God is a happy God who celebrates His redeemed and beloved sons and daughters. May God give us grace to celebrate. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for how practical Your Word is. It's not always just deep theology. It's sometimes just plain, simple disciplines and practices that we can do. And I pray for New City Church today, I pray for myself, that we will rejoice in your goodness and begin again to do good to others in your name. It's a critical time at New City Church. I pray, oh God, that you'll show them great favor, help them to rejoice and be glad in the God of their salvation. I pray in Jesus' name.